Hey, before we get into this week's episode of The Culture, just a quick reminder that if you want to stay up to date with the show, you can follow it in your favourite podcast app. Just search for The Culture. All right, let's get into it. Hey there, I'm Osman Faruqi and welcome to another episode of The Culture, a weekly show from Schwartz Media where we take a deep dive into the latest in the world of pop culture, arts and entertainment. Look, things are pretty tough right now. I don't really want to spend a bunch of time talking about the bleak state of the world. That's what Schwartz Media's daily news podcast, 7am, is for. But from everyone I speak to, Friends, family, colleagues, most people are having a really rough time. A lot of us are turning to TV, film and music to help get us through, partly because it's one of the few things we can actually do, but also because art can make us feel connected to something bigger. It can help us understand a world that feels increasingly chaotic and confusing. And maybe most importantly, it's because they're things that just simply bring us joy. So today on The Culture, I wanted to talk about one show that has brought me a lot of joy in the past year. It's called Ted Lasso, and it's probably the most heartwarming and optimistic TV around right now. The first season dropped on Apple TV last year, and I was a little bit late to the party, but during various lockdowns, I've rewatched the whole thing maybe five or six times, and it's never stopped bringing a smile to my face or cheering me up. The show has made history by being nominated for 20 Emmy Awards. It's the most ever for the first season of any comedy in history. We're now about halfway through the second season, also on Apple TV, and I thought it was the perfect time to to talk about this show, given the state of, you know, everything. And so, to chat about it with me, I have a very special guest, a good friend of mine, the former AFL player and now the wonderful, wonderful sports presenter on ABC News Breakfast, Tony Armstrong. You can introduce me anywhere I go. Kind of stuff. <laughs> I was, hey, mate, it's great to be here. You've, you've, um, you've done really well with the potty and I'm really excited to be on it. That's very kind. And how are you doing? You doing well? Yeah, mate, you know, just like everyone, it's... Um, Lockdown six, well, not just like everyone. It's lockdown six down here in Victoria where this is being recorded. And, um, yeah, I mean, comes and goes, but thank God there's some great stuff out there to to watch, listen to, rewatch, all that kind of stuff. So I'm doing okay. Yep, I'm feeling that. So let's get into one of the great things to watch right now. It's, as I said, my favourite show of the moment, Ted Lasso. It's, How good is it? Developed by Jason Sudeikis, who also plays the main character, along with Bill Lawrence. He's probably most well-known for making shows like Scrubs and and Cougar Town. Mm -hmm. It follows the story of Ted, who's an American football coach, moves to England to manage a fictional Premier League team called AFC Richmond. We're going to get into the ins and outs of the show a bit more, Mm. but I just want to say straight up, this show is about so much more than just sports. So please bear with us in this conversation if you think that's not your jam. 
So I shared my love for this show on Instagram the other day and you replied saying that you loved it as well. And I thought, well, I've been weighing up doing an episode for a while about Ted Lasso, but I couldn't quite think of the right guest. And then I saw your message and thought, actually, this could be really fun. Not only are you, I think, a connoisseur of good television based on our conversations, but you're also a former professional sports person with firsthand experience of some of the situations explored in the show. So give me a top line thoughts on Ted Lasso. Why do you find it so engaging and fun? Oh, well, it's so weird, isn't it, in that something can be such a cheese bomb. Like it's such a cheese bomb, but I love it and I don't find it corny. Like it's it's almost so cheese bomb that it's beyond cheese bomb. <laughs> you know, like it, it gets through the cheese and it's out the other side and it's just – it's like a warm hug, I reckon. And, you know, there's – There's a lot of things to be said about having your male archetype have positive masculinity, be a great dude, do everything right, and things still go wrong for him. Mm. You know, so often it's the kind of anti-hero, you know, say a Mr. Inbetween. Like, I love Mr. Inbetween as well, but he's an anti-hero. He's fundamentally a bad dude, but we're barracking for him. Whereas this is like Ted Lasso is, he's rolled gold, like, perfect, lovely guy, Yeah, full of warmth, full of love, full of heart. I think it's great. And, you know, there's there's lessons in the show. And, again, it is so cheese bomb that sometimes you're almost cringing, but you never do quite cringe. Mm. I think it's – um yeah, I think it's great, and the best thing is it's for anyone. Anyone can anyone can watch it and mm. and really enjoy it. I think that's my favorite thing about it, and trying to convince people to watch it is how much it subverts the expectation. So the character of Ted Lasso came out of these commercials years ago that NBC in the states were running as a way to promote the fact that they'd gotten the rights to the English Premier League. Hey, how you doing? This is Ted Lasso. I'm the new head coach of the Tottenham Hotspurs, and uh, I'd like to talk to the Queen, please. My name's Ted Lasso. I'm new head coach for Tottenham Spurs. Been brought over here to, to you know, implement my coaching style. Football's football, no matter where you And he's sort of a fish-out-of-water character, and he's not able to translate, you know, his American acronyms to to the UK. And we're going to play till there's a winner and there's a loser. A What's that? A tie. Okay, till there's a winner, a loser, or a tie. You can tie. If you tried to end a, a game in a tie in the United States, heck, that might be listed in Revelations as the cause for the apocalypse. Yeah, do we have any goals this season? You think about that as a concept for a TV show. No one is wondering, wow, what's the backstory of this guy? Why do I care about it? But somehow that's the premise of it. And when I try to convince people to watch it, the first thing they say to me is, I don't really want to watch a show about sport. I don't want to watch a show about an American football coach go to the UK. But it's not really about that at all, is it? No, it's that's a great question because I think Sport is just a prism in which we're we're watching a show about about humanity. Really, mm. we're we're watching a show about, I guess, almost a father figure. I would say Ted Lasso is to to his team, mm. and I guess it's more about you know growth and people on their own journey of self discovery. You know, one of the main characters, Jamie Tart. I don't know how up to date you are on it. I'm um, as up to date as you are. Yeah, right, yeah sweet. Yeah. So like. Um, without giving away any spoilers, like Jamie Tart is exactly who you think a Premier League striker would be. Yeah. And fill in the blanks however you want to there. I was about you and me make a deal. Okay, I'm listening. You get to keep on preaching all of your yee bullshit 
And in exchange, I'll keep ignoring you because this team is tragic. I scored all the goals and I'm the only one they come to see. But of course, Ted Lasso, in his own unrelenting, lovely way, breaks him down. Hey, Jamie, what would you rather be? A lion or a panda? Coach, I'm me. Why would I want to be anything else? I'm not sure you realise how psychologically healthy that actually is. Mm. Cheers. I think that is, is, is a small example of what the whole show does, where it dives into character and it shows you the power of self-discovery, the power of admitting when you're wrong, mm. the power of putting your hand up, but, and the power of trying to be a good person, I think. Mm. What stood out to me in the first season is how all of these characters, even ones that you think are secondary or tertiary, kind of go on this incredible journey and have you know some kind of complication and resolution and develop. But let's stick with Ted for a second sure. because you kind of can't get away with naming a show after one character <laughs> without that character being incredibly compelling and interesting. And you described it as like it's like a hug and it is. It sort of reminds me a bit of watching Friday Night Lights when mm-hmm. you watch that relationship between Tammy and Coach Taylor. It's just relentlessly positive and aspirational. I want to hear from you a bit about why you think Ted Lasso as a character is so engaging and compelling. I think it's because he he bucks the trend of just about every other character that we've seen in TV or film in that role. So, for instance, you think Denzel's character in Remember the Titans. Mm. You think um, Samuel L. Jackson's character in Coach Carter. They're great people, but they're hard. They're ruthless. They're they're take-no-prisoners uncompromising. We still love them, but there's a real edge to them, right? Whereas Ted shows you that there's another way to do that. And I want you to be grateful that you're going through this sad moment with all these other folks. Because I promise you, there is something worse out there than being sad, and that is being alone and being sad. Ain't nobody in this room alone. And then one of the big things I really love about the show is Ted doesn't get it all his own way either. He's struggling especially in the first season, he's really struggling with how things are going on a personal front. And I think they only really, really, it's either at the very end of the first episode or the very end of the second episode where you see him FaceTiming home mm. and you're like, oh, no, things aren't quite right. Like, this guy should have it all. So you've got this compelling mixture of a guy, he does everything right but doesn't necessarily get everything that he wants. And I think I've spoken about this in other prisms before, but that's such a great lesson to learn in life itself, in that, you know, you're told all the time that hard work pays off. Like, no matter how hard mm. I work, if I cross my T's and dot my I's, everything's going to work out for me. Well, that's just simply not the case. Mm. And I think when we watch Ted Lasso, we realise that that's not the case because we see it happening to a character who, in just about any other show, if there was someone like that, it would work out. You know, it would always work out for them. And I think that's what's so compelling about it. I think you're spot on. And you, talk, you said earlier that the setting of the show, the premise of it being inside a football club, a fictional football club, it almost doesn't matter. It's like the relationships that they have, the experiences that they have are so universal. But I wonder, as someone who has spent time yeah. in, in locker rooms or has observed dynamics between players and coaches, are there any things that stand out to you based on your own experiences watching the show? I've never had a coach as nice as Ted. <laughs> I mean, 
the one thing that, that I really noticed was the sense of collegiality with the team and they eventually get there. So we're at the same point. Mm. The last episode we just watched mm. with Sammy. Mm. Um, it's maybe my favourite episode so far. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and we and that's all we'll go into it for people who haven't who haven't watched. But the sense of collegiality that you see there, that is 100% what it's like in the team professional sporting world. And also, obviously, because it's, what is it, drama? What would we call it? Would we call it a drama comedy? Comedy drama, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is, it is sort of blurring a lot of those boundaries it is. It as well. It blurs a lot of those boundaries because there's really, there's really beautiful relationship stuff. I think, of course, all of the characters are heightened because mm. you need to be, but there are all of those tropes within a locker room. There, there are the players who have a laugh, who aren't as serious. There are the players who are, who are super, super serious, like your Roy Kents. Um, then there are your Jamie Tarts. But the biggest similarity is the sense of collegiality that they eventually get to. Hmm. Now, Australian sport is, of course, very different to the mega-rich Premier League and then the mega-rich, say, US sports, which are the markets that this is, I guess, pitched at. Hmm. But, yeah, a lot of the same themes, but never, like, I wish I was coached by Ted because he is so warm. After the break, we're going to take a look at some of the bigger themes that are covered in the show. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloan Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned this before about this idea of the representation of masculinity in this show. And I think that's a really interesting thing to drill in on for a second because, again, it's not something that is isolated to sport, but it has been a growing part of the discourse around sports culture in Australia and around the mm. world, you know, the way that uh, male athletes male athletes interact with one another and the wider community. Uh, and I think I, this, there's almost like a whole episode in just discussing the masculinity oh, yeah. uh, of, of this show, but it's actually um, a, a friend of ours, Q, who heads up Netflix in Australia, made this really interesting point to me. She said that, what TED does, it doesn't do what other shows do, which is just present a toxic version of masculinity that, that says this is bad, don't be like this. It also doesn't present an idealised version of masculinity and says this is what you have to do, do that. Instead, it presents characters that try and fail and they all have failed at some point. They've all made mistakes. They've all done the wrong thing and it presents a path to redemption or it presents a sort of roadmap for how you better yourself. And not in a kind of trite way. It's not like just go on TV and say sorry and everything's fine. It does it in so many ways. And I just can't think of a TV show that's grappled with it in the same way. No, it's a really good point. And even if you think about 
so many other of these like super, I guess, iconic kind of characters. And that's and that's kind of where I think Ted will end up. I think he'll end up being a super iconic character that we're talking about for years to come. Yeah, we're getting it on the ground floor. We're buying our stock early. Big time. Buy low, sell high. Stonks. Um, but think about like Harvey Specter. Bloke's a bit of a prick. Yeah, totally. You know, think about Tony Soprano. Prick, but we love him. You yeah. know, like like think about Jimmy McNulty. Like think about all of these kind of characters along the way. I don't want to be them, but they're painted like Bobby Axelrod. I'm painted out like I want to be these mm. guys. They're presented very aspirationally. They're presented yeah. super aspirationally. They're pricks. So I think it's actually really great to see, as Q said, this kind of idea of these people who are just really wholesome trying to get it right. Mm. And at no point are we told that this is who you should be. We're given a number of options Mm. as to who we think should be the ideal archetype within the show. The way with those characters that are a little bit more grey, I'm thinking of um, Roy Kent, played by the incredible Brett Goldstein, who also helps write the show. How great is he? He's probably my favourite character. I think the His relationship with his niece? Yes. Can you describe your Uncle Roy? Everything that you can think of. Well, he's my uncle. His beard is scratchy. He buys me ice cream. He swears a lot. He's really funny. And... I love him. I didn't hear anything about being a footballer. Who gives a shit what she has to say? She's six. So in the most recent season, it's very funny because it also made me think of you who um, pivots to being a sports broadcaster. And I actually <laughs> love the way that in the second season they bring in they bring in the whole culture of sports broadcasting as well, which I think is a really fascinating... Why would I want to do that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, They're Muppets, yeah. <laughs> but there's, um, there's a bit in the first season, actually, where he he is in this kind of love triangle for a minute with... Um, Jamie Tart. With Jamie Tart and, and Keely, who was at this stage. She's, she's a model. She ends up working for the football club, but she's in a relationship with Jamie, though it's clear that something's brewing between her and Roy as well. Mm-hmm. Sounds to me like someone's trapped inside life's most complicated shape, a love triangle. Second place, of course, is the I just walked in on my mother-in-law changing into her swimsuit dodecahedron. And you think again, you've seen this story play out so many times, right? You've seen a woman at the center of a love triangle between two men who are competing over her. And the show subverts basically everything that you expect. And you get to a point where Roy Kent's character is deeply jealous about the situation and you're a bit like, oh, maybe I sort of get it. I think he's probably overreacting, but sure, why wouldn't he be jealous of, of, of you know? Of Jamie Tart. Of Jamie Tart. The, the, you know, he's super handsome, successful, and he's his girlfriend's ex-boyfriend. And he's younger. Exactly. Yeah. But then there's just a moment where it's all laid out. It's like, hey, I love you. I'm with you. What are you doing, you idiot? And he just recognises that and says sorry and... That's the message, right? Yeah, there's there's a uh, – I, I can't remember who he goes to for counsel, but they go, uh, you're basically – you're being a child. Exactly. Get over it. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, I am. And the next day he goes up and asks Keely out. And I love as well you've got Roy, Roy Kent, this, you know – he's basically Roy King. It's Roy Keane in a in a fictional show. Roy Keane, of course, being the former Manchester United midfielder and captain. And just a nutter. Yeah. Like, he was hard. <laughs> Roy Kent 
has this beautiful relationship with his little niece, coaches like basically the Auskick version mm-hmm. yeah. of um, like like Little League soccer with all of her classmates and he's yelling at them, berating them, but in a way that is so loving and warm. Uh, goes and does yoga with a bunch of grandmas and stuff. <laughs> like Drink Chardonnay with them. Are you dating other people? It's okay if you are. It's just that I want to know so that I don't look stupid. It was yoga, okay? I do yoga with a group of women in their 60s. They've no idea who I am. It's twice a week and it's really good for my core. Normally only takes an hour, but Maureen's just been going through a divorce and she needed to talk about it and blow off some steam. We all ended up at GAY till 2am and then we had crepes in Balham's with some drag queens. Like I said... Even that, you know, at no point do they try to ever make someone hyper-masculine. They will present a character. Let's let's go with Roy Kent here. They will present Roy Kent and then completely disarm him with all of these little things that you find out along the way. And you're like, oh, my goodness, this person is actually, you know, a sweetheart. And it's one of my favorite things about the show, which my prediction for this show is that as it goes on and on, let's say it goes to 10 seasons, right, or 12 uh-huh. seasons. That's what we're hoping. That's what we're hoping. Because we were, like, we were in early. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah totally. So, so we want to be smug. And and I want to see the football team succeed, but as it goes on and on, I care, care more less, about... And you care less about the football team exactly, succeeding. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I care about the relationships, the love stories, all that sort of stuff, and... And I think Roy Kent is such a key part of that. And maybe it's my favourite bit from the series so far is uh, Rebecca, who is the managing director, the owner of the club now. She's seeing a guy who seems fine and she's talking to Roy about it and he seems totally fine. And he just says, you don't deserve fine. Like, why are you settling for fine? You deserve the best thing for you and you should go out and get that. Is there a problem? Tell the truth. He's fine. That's it. Nothing wrong with that. Most people are fine. It's not about him. It's about why the fuck you think he deserves you. You deserve someone who makes you feel like you've been struck by fucking lightning. Don't you dare settle for fine. Not that it's any of my business. It's so incongruous hearing that in a show that started as a commercial for the English Premier League being broadcast in the US. But it's it's beautiful. It's magical. It's wild. And then especially from that character. Yes, yes, exactly. From the hard man of the football team to be so poignant with with his words. You know, like he's he is supposed to be this gruff Terminator style sports person. Yeah, he's the hard man, like you said. Like he's all of these kind of kind of players. So yeah, it's almost as though the show just decides to go deliberately against everything. Like, okay, what have we seen before? What's the opposite? That is such a good point because it brings me to the next thing I was going to bring up in the similar sort of vein. So the second season introduces a new character as a sports therapist. And I think that plot line is interesting for a few reasons. One, I think it shows Ted's darkest side. It shows Ted getting a little bit competitive, a little bit jealous of this other figure that's come in with a different set of tools to help resolve the team's problems. But when that character first comes in, and and she's a black woman who's a therapist in this show, Mm -hmm. you start to think they're doing the whole trope of the angry black woman, right, who's coming in to shake things up. She's a bit of a hard ass. She doesn't take Ted's shit. And you're like, okay, I think she's a cool character, but I don't love the fact that, like, we finally got a black woman and she's just mean. Ted Lasso welcome wagon has arrived. Please don't barge in here like that. I could have been in a session. Oh, right, of course. I'm, I'm sorry. Can I help you with something? Well, yeah. No, I, I just brought you a little something, something for your first day of work. No, thank you. 
And then that flips. Like you said, it does the opposite of what you think it's going to do. Oh, come on now. Just try a little bite, huh? That's very thoughtful, Coach Sasha. But I don't eat sugar. Really? Wow. I've never met someone who doesn't eat sugar. In a past life, I would inhale a Cadbury's flake, talk nonsense for an hour until I pass out. I'm the same way with video games. I think what's great about her is until that point, we haven't really ever seen Ted unsure of himself. Hmm. He's always been sure of his ability to bring a team together, maybe not necessarily win, but his ability to bring all kinds of different personalities together, get them on the same page, get them working in unison as a team. And you can see the second she comes in, he's looking over his shoulder. But once he learns to let go of that, and we're only, what are we, two episodes in? We're three, th- we're into we're, third. We're yeah. three. There's four episodes of season two out at the moment. Drops every Friday. Um, and he's already learnt that he needs to kind of give it away a bit in terms of not trying to be mm. the guy. Mm. And she can be a huge asset to everyone. And then she does because we see a great resolution. Again, won't say exactly what happens, but there's a great resolution for Jamie Tart, and that comes off the back of him going to see her. Which is another just great message, like talk to people about talk, your feelings. <laughs> talk to people about your feelings. So great. We'll be back after this quick break. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Look, Tony, I feel we could list just about every plot point in Ted Lasso and talk about how this is exactly what TV should be aspiring to. But I also want to make it super clear to everyone who might not have gotten around the show yet that it's not just sport and, you know, really cheesy emotional catharsis. There's a lot of just very funny pop culture references and gags as well. If you love jokes The whole about, thing's gags. Yeah. I promised myself I was never going to watch Fresh Prince again when they swapped out Aunt Bibbs. But truth be told, as long as they let Carlton do his thing, I was always going to take him in and just sit right there. Case in point, right here. I never know how to react when a grown man does the Carlton in front of me. You can see a silhouette do this. You know. Non-stop. Visual gags, references to old movies. It's just beautiful and perfect. Jeez Louise. Why is everybody so down in the dumps? What happened to Beyonce dump Jay-Z or something? No, nothing like that. Thank goodness. Just saying it out loud made me immediately sad. And Jason Sudeikis is brilliant as Ted Lasso. My favourite joke in the show, and it's just so nerdy and so geeky, but it's a Back to the Future gag. And it's in the first season and his, and his uh, assistant coach, Coach Beard, they're talking about like what the 80s used to be like. And Coach Beard says, Who was president back then? Ronald Reagan. And he does the line from Doc. Ronald Reagan, the actor? Ronald Reagan, the actor? Oh, man. I love when you do Doc Brown. You walk me right into that. Um, It's just like completely out of nowhere. And if you're not a deep Back to the Future fan, you wouldn't even know what the hell's going on, but it's great. That's like, you know how, um, like, apparently the Simpsons writer's room 
they would do like one for us, one for them. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's like one of those, right? Exactly. We aren't pandering to the audience here at all. Because that's come out of nowhere. Totally, totally. If they get it, they get it. If they don't, they don't. And we're going to have fun when we watch that. And who cares? Yeah, totally. Like, I don't give a shit. That's out there. I'll laugh. Um, I want to talk to you about the the timing maybe being a factor as to why we're so yep. into this. When the show was unveiled as part of Apple TV's big slate, mm-hmm. it was basically a footnote. It was not something that I think Apple expected to do that well. All the focus was on the morning show, which was their other big flagship Which product. is great. It's a great show, but I think it's interesting that Ted Lasso seems to have been a bit of a slower burn, and I wonder whether, in your view, it has anything to do with the fact that when we were looking for a hug, when we were looking for companionship and positivity, which has been in the last 12 to 18 months, that's when we started to connect with this show. Well, a show like this gives us a bit of hope in humanity, I think, and I know that's such a grandiose thing to say, but it really, really does. Because what you're doing is you're actually seeing the best in humanity in this show. Like you're seeing positive forms of masculinity in all the characters, be they men or women. And, you know, it's not just been the fact we've been locked up for 18 months. It's like, you know, we've seen a lot of the worst of humanity, a lot of selfishness, Mm. a lot of people thinking about themselves and only themselves, a lot of really bad behaviour. And then on top of that, like... You know, there's a lot of existential dread getting around. People don't know when we're getting out of this. Like, I sure as hell don't. Mm. And then global warming's just, like, just there. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, it's not just there. It's here. It's here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, if you think too deeply about what's going on at the moment, you can start getting yourself into a pit of, oh, God. But this show gives you probably hope, you know, hope, and it makes you feel good. And to be honest, the... (laughs) There aren't too many things at the moment that are a guaranteed, I feel good, tonic, Mm. and I think this is one of them. That's a really beautiful way to put it, and it resonates with me so strongly. Uh, Whenever I, before the second season came out, whenever I was feeling particularly down or flat, I would just say, you know what I'm going to do this week? I'm just going to rewatch season one of this show. It doesn't matter if I know what's happening. Puts a smile on your face. Totally. You're, you're like, oh, look at how nice this guy is. Yeah. <laughs> and God. The, <laughs> and the hope you said, I think the hope for hope in people, it's so easy to be cynical about the state of the world and about the way human beings are interacting and the legacy we're leaving behind. But We've got to get off Twitter, bro. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's probably the problem. I've been off for the last four days, actually. It's been the happiest four days of my life. Yeah, it's been boring for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, before I let you go, Tony, I, I want to talk to you about pandemic watching more generally. So Ted Lasso is, as I've said, something I watched a lot in the past 12 months. It's been a great sell for me. Is there anything else that you're watching that you think ticks that box at the moment? You know, any other shows you want to recommend for people doing it a bit tough who want something fun and maybe a bit silly to watch? So I've just started watching Hacks. Hmm. Uh, it's on It's on Stan. Um, tell us about Hacks. Ladies and gentlemen, the queen of Sin City, Miss Deborah Vance Young. You guys are going to have a fabulous time. So the premise is there's this, like, world-famous, internationally famous comedian, and she's now just doing the Vegas residency. She's doing hundreds of nights a year. She's making an absolute mozza. She's killing it. However, 
she's just off the edge. Like, like, like she's just starting not to sell as much as she used to. She's mm. bored. Everyone's bored. She's about to lose some some shows. And then concurrently, there's this young writer in LA who had herself a writing deal, had had all this kind of stuff, and then basically she made a crass gag on Twitter. You, you can't get me a meeting to write on anything. I, I'm just I'm just done because of one mistake. She basically gets cancelled. No one wants to work with her. Her agent also manages this famous Vegas comedian who was been been on the circuit for 45 years, 50 years. She ends up moving to Vegas to write mm. jokes for the old comedian. But the old comedian, as, as I'm sure you can imagine, she's cynical as. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. she just suffers no fools. As soon as she's off stage, it's like bang. It's going to be hard to work together if we can't communicate. We don't work together. You work for me. You're making it really hard. You don't know what hard is. You got plucked off the internet at, what, 20? You just got lucky. I'm also good. Good is the minimum. It's the baseline. So it's just a meeting of these mm. of, of these two worlds, and and um, it's brilliant. I love it. It's great telly. It's really funny. It's beautiful to watch this younger writer, how the way that she goes about breaking down and cracking the cynical exterior of the made comedian. I think that's really great viewing. That is a great recommendation, and I'm going to get on it this weekend after the latest episode of Ted Lasso, of course. Tony Armstrong, thank you so much for joining me on The Culture this week. Hey, Oz, anytime. The Culture is a weekly show from Schwartz Media. It's produced by Bez Zoda and Atticus Basto. Our editor-in-chief is Eric Jensen, and our theme music is by Hermitude. I'm Osman Faruqi. See you next week. <laughs>